Well, it's almost time to turn the page into 2019. I, um, I don't know how I feel about that yet. It seems like the years kind of speed up, don't they? And um, I've been thinking for a while, what do you share with a congregation on, on the final Sunday of a year? We are sort of intra-series, if you will. We finished up our Advent and our Christmas Eve's Eve service, and, and now we are we're in there a couple weeks before we launch into our new study for 2019, and it occurred to me that there's a, um, <clears throat> there's a cultural ritual that many folk participate in, uh, in the in the days and the weeks leading up to January 1st. It's the ritual of figuring out New Year's resolutions. You ever made a New Year's resolution? Yeah. You have one for this next year? Not yet? <laughs> well, maybe something today will spark one for you. Um, usually the top two New Year's resolutions have to do with exercise and dieting. Yes. Do you like to exercise? No. <laughs> there was some emphatic no's. There was a couple yeses. Um, it's a common time of year as we evaluate these resolutions to uh, think about getting healthy in the coming year. It's, the, it's one of the most popular ones, so thoughts run through our minds like, man, I, oh, I probably, should, probably should put down the bag of Cheetos, <laughs> maybe lay off the chocolate a little bit. I really, I, I need, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I'm touching a nerve right there. <laughs> got to get healthy for this new year. You might notice that you, you walk from your lower level to your upper level, and whew, I feel a little winded by the top of the stairs. You might notice things like that. Uh, you, might, you might look at your wardrobe, try and fit into some of your wardrobe, and Ask your spouse or a friend, do, do these jeans make me look fat? Do you ever ask that question? You know what? <laughs> Sometimes it ain't the jeans. <clears throat> and so we get to this time of the year. <laughs> Sometimes we get to this time of the year and we have these thoughts and we think, whew, I got to do something about all of this. And so we put it down. I'm, I'm going to exercise more in the coming year. And, you know, we kind of, we don't really define what more is. <laughs> you know, I could run a run lap around the sanctuary here, and whew, that's more. Uh, you know, there are, when you think about exercise, there are four different kinds of, there's four main kinds of exercise. There's the, there's the aerobic or cardio, get your heart rate pumping kind of exercise. And so, you know, that would be like doing things like going for a run, going for a swim, you know, you, you don't even, you don't have to go anywhere. You can, you know, you can kind of jog in place. If you don't like jogging, you can, you can actually just march in place. You can do jumping jacks, you know, things like that. Any takers? You want to join me? No, I didn't think so. 
Well, so there's the aerobic cardio exercise. There is uh, strengthening exercises where we, you know, seek to build muscle. And so you can lift weights. You, again, you don't have to go anywhere. You can, you know, you can do squats. You can, you know, does anybody like planking? You know, you get down and you kind of just hold your position for a while. Yeah. Anybody? No. Then there's stretching exercises where we, you know, stretch out our muscles. Uh, and then there's, there's balance exercises. So, you know, if you're reading a book, you, might, you could do it like this, you know, and just work on your balance. And you kind of get your core muscles going there. <clears throat> for the longest time, for the longest time, uh, I was one I did not like exercise. If I was playing a sport, chasing a person, or a ball, or a hockey puck, I was fine with physical activity. But if to intentionally go out and exercise, no way, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. I mean, if people, people made me sick when they would say, oh, I'm just going to go out for a jog and I'm going to run for fun. I mean, that's not in my vocabulary. No, absolutely not. But there was a time when I, I stepped on the little square thing that usually resides in our bathroom. You might call it a scale. And the, the old-fashioned scales, they had the needle that spins around, not the little digital display. Well, I stepped on one that had the needle in it spun way too many times. <laughs> I'm like, I got to, I got to, do something about this. I'm the guy, I, I love dairy products, they're not really good for me, um, but if, if I'm going to drink milk, I, I mean, I like, you know, 2% or stronger. Uh, and there was a time when I said, I will never, ever, 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 ever drink skim milk. <laughs> I, I don't drink much pop anymore at all, but back in the day, I did, and I was one who said, I will never, ever, ever, ever drink diet pop. But when I went like this, and that needle just went crazy, I'm like, I gotta make some changes. So I went home, and I told Lisa, I, you know, I think... There was a progression. I went from 2% to 1%. <laughs> Finally gave it up and went to the skim. I still don't like it. And now we're at almond milk, so we don't even have it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm being reminded here. And at the same time, I'm like, I, I remember the day that I fought, that I bought, I fought it too, my first Diet Pepsi. I don't even like this stuff anymore. But... You, you get to this point where you, may, you need to make some changes and they, they, you're confronted with a situation and you figure, I've got to change. But you know what? It's not just about changing your diet, changing things that you eat. It's also about the exercise, the moving your body. If you eat right and you move a little bit, you'll be a generally healthy person. Now, before I was uh, one who 
didn't like to exercise, and now you would probably consider me to be one of those sickos at the gym who just absolutely loves it. But you get into a rhythm, and you get into a routine, and you realize that the physical activity is doing your body good, and although you may not like it, it makes you feel better. Well, the good news for you today is I'm not going to preach a sermon about exercising. If you ask me, I think it would be a good thing for you to consider moving into the new year. But I think, and I think that God wants us to pay attention to our physical health. He's given us these bodies, and part of being a good steward of what God has blessed us with is caring for our bodies. But I think the same thing is true of our spiritual health, our spiritual lives. And so what I, want, what I want to talk about today, you'll notice on the bulletin that the sermon title is Five Exercises for the New Year. There are five spiritual exercises that I think would benefit you, benefit me, benefit all of us if we considered doing these exercises on a regular basis. And on the inside of your core guide, you'll notice that it's blank. It wasn't my way of getting out of a little extra work this week. It was um, encouraging you to do a little bit more. Um, So there's places for you to take notes, and there's some different passages that might fit alongside that may be helpful to read uh, throughout the course of this week uh, as you consider each of the exercises. Uh, The text that I want to look at today, if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can get those out. We're in the book of Proverbs. It's about the middle of your Bible. It's it's considered wisdom literature, and this is the words of King Solomon. And uh, I'm in Proverbs chapter four, and I wanna read starting in verse 20. Solomon says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the first exercise that I would uh, encourage you to consider building into your routine is uh, strengthen your core muscles by inclining your heart to God. And looking at the clock, the majority of what I have to say is on this first one. It's the one that's the most critically important of the five, and it's Strengthen your core muscles by inclining your heart to God. When we talk about core muscles in your spiritual life, we're not talking about your abs. We're talking about your heart. 
when the Hebrew text talks about the heart, it's, it's not just talking about the organ in your body that, that beats and pumps blood to all the parts of your body. When we talk about the heart, we are talking about your whole inner self, your desires, your emotions, your affections, your will. All of those things are a part of your core, your heart. And so when, when you read about the heart, especially in the Old Testament, in, in the Hebrew text, uh, the, the focus is really on your whole inner person, your core. And King Solomon says that we should guard our hearts. Guard your heart. Be careful with it. He cares about this greatly. In the book of Proverbs, King Solomon mentions the heart 82 different times. 82 times he talks about your core. And I think that Solomon learned this from, from his dad, King David. So if you, if you flip back over to uh, Psalm, if you go back over into Psalms, um, find number 119. David had something to instruct his son on the heart. And he, fortunately, he wrote it down um, for all of us to have the benefit of too. Psalm 119 goes on record as being the longest chapter in the Bible. David, in Psalm 119, just in one chapter, David talks about the heart 15 different times. So it's something that's critically important to us. You know, we talked about resolutions and maybe some of us are going to make some maybe some of us already have or you're thinking about doing so and you know when we consider things that are right and good for us um, things that maybe we know or have an idea that these are prob these probably are good things I, I ought to do these things and want to make an effort it doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be able to sustain the effort for the long haul. Sometimes our New Year's resolutions, they, they address behaviors and not the core. In other words, we can decide something and for a short time we can modify our behavior a little bit so that we're working towards the New Year's resolutions, and, and our hope is that we can stick with it long enough to develop it into a habit. That's what the gurus will tell you. You gotta do it for at least 30 days or longer, in my estimation. You have to do something that long before it becomes a routine, and I'm saying that's still oftentimes only addressing behaviors, not, not the root, not, not the core. I mean, if you you can ask yourself this question about your New Year's resolution, have I made this resolution before? And oftentimes, we make the same resolutions year after year after year because we find that for a short time, we can stick with it. But then we get into the grind of life and we figure out that some of our old habits actually felt pretty good and, you know, the 
the ramifications weren't uh, so bad. So, and, and, you know, doing this whole new routine is just, oh, it's hard work. So we let our behavior slip back a little bit. Real lasting change only happens when it happens in our heart. We've got to change our core first. Uh, David talks about this in Psalm 119. Look at verse 112. He says, I incline my heart to obey your statutes forever to the end. Isn't that a cool verse? I incline my heart to obey your statutes forever to the end. Forever to the end. Forever to the end to me suggests permanence. And I think it's repeated twice because it's critically important for us to know that it's the activity of the heart that's helping cement our ability to continue something forever to the end. See, the first exercise is so important. Whatever it is that you're battling right now, whatever it is that you just can't seem to conquer on your own, maybe you've only been trying to modify your behavior and not gone after the root cause of inclining your heart to God so that you can sustain some of these things like David says forever to the end. You've got to understand that real lasting change requires inclining your heart to God's word. If you think about it, if you have to, this would be inclining something, right? If you have to incline something, it suggests that there's another position that you begin with. Maybe we call it <laughs> reclining. Maybe we go through life and our heart is reclined. And David says, no, you've got to incline your heart to God. Now, having a reclined heart, that, that's a biblical thing. When sin entered into the world, it entered, sin entered into the human heart, and so our default position of our heart is a reclined, lazy, apathetic, sinful position, and David says you've got to get up out of that, and you've got to incline your heart to God. So if you're apathetic about something, you're not, you're not likely to make any lasting change, right? If, you, if you're just not convinced that it's a good idea or maybe I ought to, but when it gets hard, that apathy settles in and it makes it so much easier to just go back to that default position of a, of a reclined heart. And David says, no, you gotta incline your heart. You gotta keep resetting it up to God day in and day out so that any change that you make comes from within, from your core. And a healthy heart begins with healthy habits. Your, your habits create the condition of your heart. And so David says you have to keep inclining your heart. If you turn to junk food, physically speaking, whether that's 
Doritos or alcohol or drugs or porn or gambling or any, anything like that, if you, if, you, if you turn to junk food in that way or if you turn to the junk food of your soul, and I'm talking about things like a, a constantly negative attitude or anger or complaining or, you know, this... Uh, thing that we just like to blame something else for what's going on. We, we blame other people. We blame the situation. It kind of removes the responsibility from ourselves. You know, those are, that's junk food for your soul. And all of those sorts of habits, they take you away from God. They encourage you to keep that reclined position of your heart. And what it's doing is when we turn to the junk food, it's creating a division in our soul. And David talks about this too. Look at the next verse. From 112, we go to 113. He says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. See, David knows when his heart is not inclined to God, he defaults back into being wishy-washy into being double-minded, and it bugs him. He hates it. Now, that's a pretty strong word, hate, isn't it? If you're gonna hate something, (laughs) hate something like this. Hate being wishy-washy and apathetic and double-minded. Because if you think about it, probably the only things that you've made real and lasting change in your life over are things that you've been disgusted with or things that you've hated. Like, I really hate this situation. I am disgusted with this thing, whatever it is. I need to change that in my life. It's a hate and disgust and disdain are huge motivators for lasting change because we don't want to stay in that place we want to make a difference and so we're motivated to do so David is saying um, that oftentimes we kind of waffle back and forth and we live double-minded lives because because well we're not we haven't developed the core strength we're wishy-washy we're apathetic and apathy is Apathy is really the sin that prevents us from inclining our hearts to God. Stops us from doing the things that we know we know are right. We might know what will deliver us from something, but we we misplace what we hate. <laughs> we misplace what we're upset about. It's like I have I have a, a love-hate relationship with the treadmill and running. While I'm doing it, I don't really like it. I'm disgusted with it. I hate it. But I know it's doing something for me. If I hate the thing that's trying to save me, that's not, that's not good. That's being double-minded. You've you got to be disgusted with the right things, says David. I know there are some things that make me feel good for a minute, but I really don't like the crash afterwards. And, and other things that I don't like how they make me feel in the moment when I'm doing them, but I know that they're ultimately 
for my good. If you think about your bad habits, you might say that you love what they do for you. They make you feel good in the moment. I love what they do for me. But you hate what they do to you. And when we live in those bad habits, David is saying, you're living a double-minded life, and you gotta, I hate the double-minded. I need to change. I need to practice the exercise of inclining my heart to God. Eugene Peterson talks about it like this, then we'll move on to the next exercise. Eugene Peterson, he says, your heart is the common ground where God and you meet. It's the place where forgiveness is cultivated, where faith first takes root, where love grows, where hope blossoms, where mercy reaches fruition. Your heart is God's greatest gift to you. It's also your most significant responsibility for precious gifts can be lost ruined and squandered. If you're indolent or lazy, if you're careless, if you're indifferent, it can result in a loss of heart at best, and at worst, a hardness of heart. The heart must be guarded, nurtured, respected, and that's why you must keep vigilant watch over your heart, for it's the place where life starts and where life is sustained. So incline your heart to God. Set your heart on seeking him forever to the end. The second exercise is uh, tune your ears to God's voice. And the third exercise is fix your eyes on the way of the Lord. And the fourth exercise is train your tongue to speak words of blessing. The way that our text lines out, these three exercises are kind of modifiers to the first ones. These, are, these next three are ways that you can practice guarding your heart. Turn or tune your ears to God's voice. You know there's frequencies that you can lose in your hearing? If you are exposed repeatedly over time to, um, carpenters suffer this sometimes, uh, where they are exposed to the constant noise of, of machinery. And so sometimes, uh, with that repeated exposure, you can lose your frequency in that range. So then sometimes maybe you don't hear your spouse, because maybe they have this. <laughs> hey, some of you are awake, that's good. <laughs> I watched that happen to my father-in-law. <clears throat> um, but you can, also, you can also train your ears. If you talk to musicians, they will tell you about exercises that you can do to train your ears to, to pitch, to rhythm, to all sorts of different things so that you can fit in and, and play. The way that we tune our ears to God's voice is through prayer. So I would encourage you to exercise tuning your ears to God's voice by spending time in prayer this year. And the kind of prayer that tunes your hearing 
tunes your ears to God's voice is, is the kind of prayer where you're not talking. Now, certainly, there's a kind of prayer where we take our requests to God. We go through our prayer list. We speak our concerns and our desires out loud to God, and he wants all of those. I think too often maybe we spend too much time telling God what we want him to do for us and not enough time in a listening posture where we're asking him to speak into our lives. Because we live in such a noisy world, it's really hard when everything goes silent. And we say, Lord, speak to me. And we might be quiet for 10 seconds. But our minds race so quickly and we expect the bombardment of constant noise into our life that our our mind starts churning and thinking of other things and so practicing tuning your ears to the voice of God means in those moments when you are asking God, God, will you speak to me? What would you like me to pray for? What ought I be praying for? What are you trying to teach me? What direction would you like me to go? When you ask him that question, you've got to pause long enough for him to give you an answer. So when you pause and it's silent and your mind starts racing, the discipline of tuning is taking that noise and shoving it off to the side and saying, Lord, will you help focus my attention? The third exercise I said is fix your eyes on the way of the Lord. There, there are so many images that you can see out in our world. You, you, I don't know the number, but it's a big number of how many visual images cross our retinas on a daily basis. And Uh, David, in the same Psalm 119, he says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. He recognizes the world will throw all sorts of things in front of him, and he's going to be tempted to look at all of them, and one of his greatest sins was a sin of the eye at first that worked his way all the way down into his heart, and he lusted after Bathsheba, and he acted on it. It It started because of what he was looking at, didn't it? And he says... Turn my eyes away from worthless things. And then he says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. He's directing our focus away from all of the other stuff that's going to work its way onto our retina and it's going to work its way down into our core, into our heart, and it's going to tempt us lust of all sorts of things. And we know by scripture and by experience that what's deep down in our core, in our heart, is what works its way up and out in our behavior. So David and Solomon, his son, are saying to us, watch, be careful what you're letting pass over your retinas. And their constant encouragement, their constant instruction is to take our focus and put it back into the word of God. So you tune your ears by spending time in prayer. You fix your eyes by looking into Scripture. I have printed off, we we talked about this maybe a year and a half ago or something. There, There are 
11 essentials that I think are uh, essential, 11 essentials for Christian discipleship, prayer and worship and Bible study are on this. These are ways to help you practice the exercises that we're talking about. I printed off some more of these. They're on, they're on the little stand on the, on the way out of the sanctuary. I'd encourage you to, to pick one of those up because maybe that's something you can tuck into your Bible or post somewhere to help remind you to spend time in prayer, to tune your ears, and to fix your eyes on Scripture. The, the other one, the, the fourth exercise is train your tongue to speak words of blessing. Train your tongue to speak words of blessing. Old James in the New Testament, he's like the Proverbs writer of, of the New Testament, Mr. Accountability. He is always giving us something to do and to pay attention to. And, you know, once the love of Christ has invaded your heart and changed your life, it should change how you live and how you treat each other, pe- other people. And one of the big things that he talks about is us taming our tongue. Start to finish in the Bible, we're constantly reminded that we need to pay attention to the words that come out of our mouth and the words that we speak have they can do a couple things uh, there's a proverb that says that they that our words uh, proverbs 18:21, the tongue has the power of life and death we can use our words to destroy people and we can use our words to build other people up and our, our proverb today was talking about um, you know no corrupt speech coming out of our mouth. Be careful how you talk to other people. Uh, There's lots of people that I talk with that remember hurtful words from a friend, a loved one, co-worker, somebody on the playground, sometimes their, their own parents. You know, we remember things we have long memories for hurtful words. Why, why aren't you more like so-and-so? You're just a lazy good-for-nothing. You never amount to anything. Those, those, are, those are bombs. Those are curse words. Those are words of destruction, and the exercise is to run from that. Eliminate that kind of speech from your vocabulary. Be a person who speaks life and blessing into other people. Be someone who is a motivator, an encourager. That doesn't mean that you take critique out of your vocabulary because we are supposed to critique and rebuke one another because, you know what, we all don't, you know, fly right all the time. And sometimes we need other people to say, hey, you got to check that. And we need to be okay with that. But there's a way to do that in a loving and helpful way. So train your tongue to speak words of blessing I love how the Word of God doesn't just give us a long list of don't do this. The Word of God gives us, well, it'll give us some don'ts, but it'll also put right alongside it, do this instead. And Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Instead, 
Speak what is helpful for building others up. Speak words that bring life like fresh water does. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Let's exercise that this year so that we can be a people that through our words bring life and healing to other people. The last exercise, I'm just going to touch on it for a minute. Um, Pastor Ken's going to pick it up a little bit next week. Uh, but the, the exercise number five, it's cardio time. And it's take your heart for a run. The, the words in, in our text, in, in our proverb, were give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. That's great instruction, but when we're talking about our feet and we're talking about moving along a path, we're talking about movement. We're talking about not staying in one place. We're talking about progressing in the way of salvation, in the way of Christ-likeness, in the way of holiness. And so when we exercise our faith, we, have to, we can't just keep it in the closet, you know, in the garage. We've got to you know, get our heart engaged and take it out for a run. The mission of the church, not just this church, the mission of the church of Jesus. And when I say this, you need to remember that the church isn't just an entity that exists. Uh, it's not, the church is not just buildings that dot um, places on the map and in our towns. The church, folks, is you. The church is me. The church is us together. It's a collection of people who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the church. So the mission of that church is for the benefit of people who aren't part of the church yet. Which means that we need to take our heart all of the things, all of these exercises that we're working, yes, they're for some personal benefit in ways that we treat other people and, and healthy habits and all that sort of stuff, but when we take our heart and then we engage it and, and we use our faith like Jesus tells us to, it takes us out and we need to exercise our faith by expanding the church to other people, which means you share what Christ is doing in your life right now with other people. That's, that's the way the church grows. It's not that we have great music or a guy who stands up and cracks a joke and teaches the word and more people show up. The church grows when you go out and share your faith with other people. And if I don't pay attention, I'm going to preach you a whole other sermon. <laughs> and I'd like to. But Pastor Ken's going to talk next week, kind of a prequel to our our series in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts is all about the church being launched and receiving power and going viral and, and gaining momentum and exploding all over the globe. So we're going to spend a year kind of talking about this exercise number five. It's cardio time. Take your heart for a run. The, the good news in all of this is that... Um, Learning to follow Jesus faithfully is it's a lifelong process, <laughs> which is probably a good thing because it might be hard to get it 
all right just at once. We have time to exercise and to practice and to work with one another and to help each other along. So let's commit together that as we move and venture out into 2019, that we might individually, but maybe collectively, make an intentional effort to begin practicing these exercises forever to the end. The people of God said, Amen. Amen. We're going to close around.